Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate riding on an elevator with someone that smokes. My name is Kyle and today I hate how fast glasses get dirty. So yeah, breaking news. I feel like we need like a music drop <laughs> for breaking news. I'm looking at your face right now via Google Hangouts and you're wearing glasses. Just following in my footsteps yet again with your <laughs> degrading eye quality. Yep, yeah. This was um, this was not something I had planned to emulate you in. But, um, <laughs> so over the past few years, my eyes have been getting a little blurrier. And so I went and finally convinced myself to make an appointment and go into the optometrist. And I mean, I have I have 25-20 vision in both eyes still. But it's just, it's not good enough. So, because he showed me what it would be like with a prescription, and it was like it was not an insignificant change. Um, and like I've been having trouble when I'm driving, reading road signs, and when cars are driving at me at night, like I can't see shit. Yeah, it's really bad. That's, it's a little um, dangerous. Yeah. So I got the coating on the lenses that help with nighttime driving, and I've done that a couple times already, and it's significantly better. Um, I mean, there's still assholes who leave their brights on, but for those who don't, it's, it's a lot better because like before it felt like everyone always had their brights on when they were driving at me. Um, and now it's, it's a lot better and I have that 4k TV and I put my glasses (laughs) on and I was playing destiny on it. I was like, this looks significantly better. Like I'm picking out details I couldn't before and stuff. And I can sit on my couch and read the names of all of my movies and games that are stacked up on the shelves where I couldn't before. So it's, yeah, a, for it's me, a good change. I My eyesight was never that terrible. I, I don't know if I have like 25-20. It's probably something similar. But uh, I have astigmatism in my eyes. So for anybody that doesn't know, that's kind of like a constant quivering in my eyes, which makes my focus not as good. And so I used to have problems far away and up close, like it didn't matter, where I would always be squinting at everything in order to make it more clear because then I'm like forcing my eyes to focus. So that led to like a lot of headaches and mostly just looking really dumb all the time because I'm constantly doing that like squint with the open (laughs) mouth and like the wrinkled nose. So since getting glasses, and I mean, I've had glasses for a long time. I think it was when I would like turned 18 is when I got them uh, or maybe 19, but so I've had them for like a decade and I, my wife works at an eye clinic and so I can get a free checkup there. So I went maybe a year and a half ago cause I hadn't been since just to like check out my prescription. And so they changed my prescription. And so it's a little bit more hardcore and that just makes me sad. Like I, that I hate that because my eyes were becoming accustomed to not having great eyesight and then I put glasses on which made everything super clear but then my eyes adjust to having glasses and those like lenses to help them out and so then I have to get a heavier prescription and then a heavier prescription and a heavier prescription it's just going to be a constant degradation of my eyesight and that's just like it's that piece of mortality that you don't always feel and (laughs) it made me feel that and it made me very sad but I yeah. did get some, like, hip new glasses. Our glasses are similar, similar Yeah, shape. they're pretty close, yeah. It's like, I mean, they're not, like, an uncommon glasses thing. They're just, like, the black, larger square look that yeah, all the with cool like the kids thinner, rock. Slightly thinner frames. Yeah. Not, like, the really big hipster frames, but... 
Right. The my the glasses that I have now are very different from the ones I had before. I loved yeah. my first pair of glasses. They were Oakleys, which I thought was cool at the time. They were like a tortoise shell, like green and black tortoise shell look, but they were fairly uh narrow, so they were much wider than they were tall. And I just liked the look of them, but they felt a little more studious. And the glasses I wear, mm-hmm. wear now are a little bit larger, and I just feel a little bit more hip now. Like, I feel like they're a little <laughs> bit more cool glasses. And these are the ones that I have are Lacoste, so I have the, like, little Lacoste symbol mm. on the left side, which I don't love. Like, it feels a little, like, but I yeah. got them for way cheaper than they were supposed to be because of my wife, thankfully. So Just I'm take not, a like, black a cool Sharpie and kid. go over the logo with it. No yeah, totally. No, no, nothing wrong with that. That's how that works. No. Yeah, I just got like whatever cheapo brand there was because my dental or my my dental my vision um, insurance from the school they uh, they'll pay up to one hundred and fifty dollars for a pair of like non designer or no they'll pay up to one hundred yeah one hundred and fifty for non designer and then one hundred and seventy for designer and okay. then anything over that that you pay um, you only have to pay or they will pay twenty percent of the overage. So you're only mm-hmm. paying 80% of the difference. Um, and then they have like really good lens coverage. And then, so my, uh, my appointment to go there and get my eyes checked out the lenses and the frames and like the coating on the lenses for the nighttime driving stuff. It was all like, it only it was like $110 for my pair of glasses, which was pretty good when Sweet. I was said and done. Um, especially because I only pay like 89 cents per paycheck towards my vision coverage yeah, sure sure it's really good so well yeah and i mean hopefully now that you have them you won't need to go back for quite a while unless you break your glasses which is what happened to me yeah mine are kind of mine feel a little cheap um so i'm trying to keep them in their case when i'm not wearing them which has not been going super swell so far yeah like they're fairly resilient like you'll i think you'll be surprised um, but mine broke because I walked into a wall. I don't know like why or how <laughs> that happened, but I was just like, I was standing in my living room and I needed to, like I was walking out of my office and I remembered that I needed something and I just like turned around and like bonked into the wall and just, it, they split like right down the middle on the nose bridge. Jeez. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I've had these glasses for like eight years, have had no problems with them. And then just now all of a sudden, and this was when I didn't have a job too, which uh, made it even worse. And I was like, oh good, here's a couple hundred dollars. So I like texted my wife and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm the worst. I'm already like <laughs> not contributing to our finances. You should have just Harry Potter the halves back together with the yeah. tape in the middle. That would have been a good Oculus look. Oculus Reparo. <laughs> it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so there's your uh, glasses update. Also, a little programming note. You might have, li- or you might have uh, noticed, just in case you didn't, but you may have noticed that you're listening to this on a Monday. Well, theoretically, it's been uploaded on a Monday. We have been uploading on Tuesdays. The original intent was we were trying to work out like our schedule. I wanted to give myself a little bit of extra time to edit uh, and just because I wanted to avoid missing episodes, which didn't work because we already missed an episode. But um, I don't need the extra time to record right now. And Kyle can't record Mondays. So it's like. We always end up recording on the weekend anyway, and so might as well get it out there on Monday. Get a little bit more fresh. That way, if any big news happens on Monday, it doesn't feel like we've missed it. So, yeah. Yeah. Extra day early. 
Um, if there's some reason that you like prefer a Tuesday, just let me know and we'll consider it. But I want to try this out for a little bit and uh, see how this goes on the production side. So let's dive right into what we've been playing, watching, and reading. And I know oh, still yeah. the big thing is Destiny 2. Right, yeah. I mean, we definitely have both sunk a lot more time into that over the past like couple weeks. Yeah, so... Um, and I know because I have started a... Uh, like a sort of live journal about my destiny Two experiences. You can check it out on the, sh- on the site. She everything.com. It's called don't cabal it a comeback, which is really the reason why I wanted to shout it out on the podcast. Cause I like thought for a while about a, some kind of clever name that I could come up with this. Like, Oh, is there something with loot or like engrams or whatever? And it just kind of came to me, you know? And see, that's the kind of name that, I I I feel like you came up with the name first, and then you figured out what you were gonna do with the name later. <laughs> no, it actually You're like, wasn't. Oh, I gotta use this name somewhere. <laughs> well, because I talked about this last episode that I wanted to have like an ongoing journal of my destiny experiences because in the first game, it's such like a big long game, and there's so many things to do. And the way, you know, I'm not going to write a review for something until after I've experienced all there is to experience. And I don't get stuff early. Like, I'm not a professional reviewer. I'm not getting games early. So my reviews already come out several weeks after the game. And with Destiny, it was even longer. It was a couple months after the game release where I put my review out. And I was like, that just doesn't feel like it's hitting the needs of people that are following my stuff. And so I wanted to find a way to be putting out content and thoughts and opinions as I'm playing the game without it being like a quote-unquote review. And so I was like, okay, so what can I do with that? And I thought a journal made sense, make them little short posts based on the date. And then I just wanted a clever name because I want to be witty at all times. So no, the name came (laughs) afterwards. And I was trying to workshop with Kelly, actually. Like, I had a couple ideas that weren't, I didn't really feel like hit it. And I was like, well, what about this? What about this? And she's like, I don't know anything about this game. I don't know if this is clever or not. And I just had that, like, moment. Don't come all out of comeback. And I was like, dude, this is amazing. Kelly, don't come all out of comeback. She's like, okay, I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's clever or not. (laughs) Poor Kelly. She has to listen to me, like, pontificate all the time about stuff that she doesn't understand. Because I just, I think better when I talk through it. And I don't want to be a crazy person and talk through it to myself out loud. She's right. like my vehicle. If it's not her, it's going to be my dog. And I feel like that's even more weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, so don't call it a comeback. Check it out on shadeseverything.com. Uh, so, Kyle, you and I, we have been playing a decent amount together. We've also played a bit solo. I know you've played with a couple other friends. So, yeah. together, we like we beat the game. Uh, and then we have done a couple of the world quests post-game. And those lead to exotic gear uh, on three of the four planets right yeah the final one I, I don't believe does but uh and they also like give you some good legendary you know stuff as well but um i just kind of want to talk a little bit more now that without that we're like into the end game about what that process feels like and the kinds of content there is available because that was a big criticism of destiny one especially early on before everybody was diving into the raid that there just wasn't that much to do anymore like you could do the harder versions of the strikes you could do harder versions of each story mission but there just wasn't a ton else going on in terms of like discoverability and world building and i really feel like destiny 2 has done a much better job with that yeah i i agree i mean there's definitely um it I don't know that there's more to do, but like we've said before, there are more types of things to do. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that that helps, but still, 
Because, I mean, the first Destiny got stale for me really quickly, and this mm-hmm. one's already getting there. Um, because right. the things that I have left to do are, like, the Nightfalls, the Raids, and some of the Strikes. I, I think there's a Strike I have not played yet. Because um, are there three Strikes right now, or are there only two? I think, no, no, there are, I think there are four, maybe even five. Because there, there's one that's exclusive oh. to PlayStation, so I think maybe on PS4 oh. there are five. But okay. I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, that maybe I haven't seen, like, two of the raids then. Um, so, you know, there, there's some content I still haven't seen there. And, like, that's, like, the raids and the strikes and stuff. Those are things yeah. that, like, re- that's where the game really shines. And, like, the creativity of the enemy and level designs and stuff. And so that's some of the things that I haven't been seeing. But I just, like, I've, I'm hitting this wall where... Um, cause the numbers, so like for the first several hours you play the game, the numbers are going up at a really fast clip. Like it's like <laughs> mm-hmm. up, 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 up. And it's like, yeah, but you know, the, that power level, they call it power. So we know it's good. And like, and, like every single up. piece of gear that is dropping and gear drops a lot. Every single piece is higher than where you are. So it right. is a constant, constant pro- progression. Yeah. And then you hit 260, 265, and then everything just halts. Right. And then you're getting these like very small incremental differences, but you have to do the things that are giving you quote unquote powerful gear drops. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just basically means gear that's over 260, 265. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I've gotten a few of those, but you get them from doing your weekly milestones and then also the raids and strikes and stuff and or the nightfalls. And I just like. I don't know, like, I can't do that stuff alone, so you have to do it with a group, and I can't always get the group together when I'm able to play, because my rehearsals and stuff, uh, and my schedule is a little different than, like, someone with an office job. Um, And so I feel like all I can do is run around the worlds, and, like, even grinding out um, public events and stuff for rep tokens and all that, for rep bundles... um, those are only giving me 265 legendary engrams. Those aren't going right. any higher. So, like, even that isn't useful anymore. And, like, that stuff is fun to do, but it's not giving me anything that progresses my character. You know? And you haven't hit 270, right? I am. I'm 270 now. Okay, well, you should get, did. like, from the rep people, you should be getting stuff regularly now, like, in the engrams that are 268. Because I was in the same place, like, when I was wearing my max power level gear, I was at, like, 268, 269, and I was in the same spot as you. But as soon as I got a couple more exotics that, like, brought my potential power level above 270, those dropped at 268, which made it more easy. Like, I could infuse those new things into my old things to help bring my, like, regular power level up. And I think now, when I'm wearing, like, max gear, I'm at like 274 i rarely wear that stuff because i want to wear the stuff i like so i'm usually in like the low 270s but i'm at least semi-regularly getting things that are around the 270 range but i mean i'm, I'm right there with you especially in the 265 power level like that was a really really long hurdle especially yeah. when all i was doing was playing strikes and doing community events and that kind of stuff i wasn't doing the nightfall and doing right. the world quests <clears throat> and all that stuff that leads to powerful gear um on the nightfall topic we did try the nightfall this past week uh it was not fun 
Yeah, it wasn't. We didn't get super far, to be fair. But it's one right. like because it's. But so I've played much... that strike before. And sure, that, I mean, so have I. That strike also sucks. You're right. That's the, where yes. the boss it takes a million years to beat, which is not good for a nightfall. Because yes. nightfall, the thing about them, they're timed, and there yeah. are things you can do to increase that time limit. But like, I don't know. Having a time limit in a game is my least favorite um, implementation of difficulty. Like it, it feels it feels lazy and it adds unnecessary stress, especially when like Destiny just feels good to play because it's a mm-hmm. solid shooter. Like that's what I like about it is it's fun to shoot stuff in that game because it feels good and the controls are responsive and I feel like I'm in control. Whereas it's not always the case with every game. So like they have that formula down and then they throw in a mechanic to artificially increase the difficulty and. I just I don't appreciate it, and it makes you want to not play some of the content because like if the time's ticking down and there is like a group of enemies right there, you're better served to try to ride right past them and not fight them, and that's right. just like like it's encouraging you to not play the game. And I just I'm I'm with you. I'm not a huge fan of those mechanics. But yeah. part of our problem with the Nightfall Strike, we only played for a couple of minutes, honestly, in it, and we all like we screwed up the three of us that were playing we all ended up dying mm-hmm. so we had to restart and so once we were going through that first area again we got dropped from the server and so like i got booted out of the fire team we got put back to the main menu and so then we were just like that wasn't fun anyway fuck this and that's right. something that i haven't seen many people talking about and maybe it hasn't been widespread but my connection issues with destiny 2 have been very real it's like almost every single time i play the game which is three to four times a week i get booted at some point and i drop from the server and that it could happen if i'm out in the open world areas it's happened when i was in the tower it's happened on a loading screen trying to go to an area i got dropped from the server it's happened uh in the middle of a strike and that like like it it would be frustrating in any circumstance but especially in a game that's about like the end gaming so like end gaining rather so like in a strike you get the good stuff at the end of the strike you may get right. a random rare drop or an engram or whatever else throughout as you're fighting other enemies, but most of the gear you're getting is from beating the final boss in the strike. And the strikes aren't short. So, like, if I play through three quarters of the strike and get dropped from the server, I basically gained nothing from that. I'm not really leveling up anymore in any significant way. I didn't get any gear from doing it, so I just wasted ten minutes. Yeah, like, I mean, if you're able to, like, reload and get back in, I think it lets you join the strike again, doesn't it? Because that happened when, I think you, Cody, and I were doing a strike, weren't we? And then yes. one of us got dropped and we were able to you get back in. You can join back in the fire team. But if I'm playing with randoms, I don't know who they are. I don't right, know where to right, go right. to jump back in there. Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, and so it's, I mean, like, it sucks that this is the world we live in. But in, like, launch week or even specifically launch day... A little bit of that is acceptable. And that happened with me when this game first came out. I was getting dropped all the time when I was trying to play Destiny on the day it released. And, like, that, it it sucks. It doesn't make it okay, but it's a little bit more acceptable because you understand how many people are on the servers at all times. It's been a couple weeks now at this point. I can't imagine the player, like, the amount of players that are playing it is the same as it was the first week. And they should be able to iron out some of the kinks. So yeah. maybe it isn't a super widespread issue again because I haven't seen a lot of people talking about it. But at least for me, that's been a very large frustration almost every single time I play the game. And that sucks. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's a big bummer. It's one of those things that, like you said, can it'll either hit you 
it, it's always at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. It always hits you at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, kind of beyond that, like going into some of the other stuff that we've been discovering now that we're in the post game. So for anybody that played Destiny 1, you know that Xur is back. And for people that aren't familiar, he's like a weapon vendor that in the first game came around every weekend and he sold like exotic stuff. And so those and were hard to And he looks exactly a- like the merchant from Resident Evil 4. <laughs> yeah, he did. With, except with black tentacles for a face. Which, to be fair, the guy from Resident Evil 4 could have had. He had a bandana around his face. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> what are you buying? Uh, <laughs> but, um... So Xur sells exotic gear, and in the first game he also sold like a bunch of other random stuff. Part of the problem with Destiny 1 where there were so many different kinds of currencies that it made it really hard to parse, which is something Destiny 2 has significantly streamlined in a positive way. So for Xur, at least right now, he sells a weapon, and he sells a piece of gear for each of the three classes. And all of those things you just buy using uh, legendary shards, Yeah, which you get from... Uh, uh, dismantling your legendary gear. And so I uh, like exotic I gear. yes, and exotic <clears throat> gear. So I get a lot of uh legendary gear because like I'm doing the public events and running strikes and playing a little bit of multiplayer here and there. And so through those you're getting tokens that you turn in to gain reputation and every time you hit a reputation threshold, you get an, a legendary engram. And because of the power level where I am, which is above 270, very 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 rarely are those legendary engrams that I'm unlocking giving me better stuff than I already have. So I'm just dismantling them, which gives me the legendary shards, which then on the weekends I can turn into Xur. And so also gives that, you weapon parts, which you then turn into the gunsmith to get more, to get more reputation. legendary engrams that you're <laughs> yeah, not going to exactly. use and dismantle. Yeah. yeah. The, the the loop but like is that, That's much... what I'm talking about before, is like, it feels everything is useless. Like, I'm just breaking it down to funnel into more stuff that I'm breaking down. That you're going to you break know? down. Yeah, I get that. Um... But yeah, so uh, Zer is back, and he was here last weekend. He's here this weekend as well. Uh, and so that's just been a fun, like, trip down memory lane sort of thing of, like, remembering when I was hardcore into Destiny 1, like, going to the tower every single Saturday to see what Zer had for me this week. And so that's a fun thing that brings me back to those days. Uh, I wish that he had more stuff, because, like, in the first game he had, you know... Uh, where you could change the color of the the jet stream that comes out the back of your sparrow, like just little kitschy stuff like that. And he had more, like you could buy exotic engrams from him for, uh, I think it was like more legendary shards and something else. But like that way, you didn't know what exotic you were gonna get, and there was a little bit of like the fun mystery there. And for now, it's just four things: there's a weapon and one piece of armor for each class. So like, if you already have the weapon and you already have the piece of armor for your class. You get nothing out of Xur, which is the problem I have with him this weekend. I watched a YouTube video this morning of like what he has this week. He has a weapon I already have, and I'm playing a warlock, and he has gauntlets that I already have. So yeah, I have no need to go talk to Xur, and that like bums me out a little bit. Now i got to wait a week and hope that he has something cool next time. Um, but uh, also talking about the multiplayer. So neither of us are competitive multiplayer shooter fans particularly anymore um, no not anymore not anymore <laughs> yeah so like we used to be hardcore into call of duty like a little bit in battlefield so we i mean we, you played a little bit of battlefield one as well right i remember we played a yeah little bit together. yeah for a couple weeks and star wars battlefront when it came out we played a little bit of it but it's like i just don't get that much enjoyment out of multiplayer shooters anymore because i'm so competitive and i don't know it's just not fun for me like the, the combination of how other players play, 
dying a lot in ways that don't seem fair, not having a bunch of friends that I'm playing with. So I'm typically on a team that is losing because they aren't communicating. Like just all those things together lead to me not having a good time. Yeah. And I think we talked about this uh, last podcast about how for you and I, if we're going to play a game like that, it needs to be with someone to kind of alleviate some of that tension. Uh, Because then like we'll have a lot of fun and it is enjoyable, but so often we are stuck wanting to play the game and no one else can play with us so we play by ourselves and that's when we really get mad yeah um but with the multiplayer in destiny 2 like i wanted to check it out just because i feel obligated as someone that talks about video games um but also you have your like weekly challenges and you have additional challenges where like if you accomplish those you get this quote-unquote powerful gear which is higher power level stuff and so one of those challenges was to play two matches of the crucible so i was like okay i haven't done it yet i guess i'll go in and play and so like they've changed it this time to be instead of being most of the modes being six on six all modes are four on four which makes things a little bit more tactical and obviously they changed the map design to be a little bit smaller to account for it um I'm not sure if I have a preference between the 4-on-4 or the 6-on-6, but I only played two rounds, and I did have, like, a decent amount of fun. Part of it was because I was playing well. Like, I was top of my team both times, which makes it, you know, if you're doing well, it makes it more fun. Um, But I don't know. It's still, like, not my thing. I'm not going to be a hardcore Iron Banner player. I'm not going to be a hardcore Trials of the Nine player, which are, like, kind of the more elite multiplayer modes in Destiny 2 that they're bringing back from the first game. But I don't know. Like, are you planning on diving in at all some point? Um, if I do, it will only be for the powerful gear. And what I'll probably do, sorry to any potential teammates, is hold like up or left on the move stick and oh, just wait the thing out. Don't be that guy. I think like, I'll, that's probably what I'll do. I, I when I went in, I like really thought to myself okay i need to change my mentality for this i know how competitive i get and how it like makes me angry when i die in these games so i'm just gonna relax like i'm not gonna try super hard so that way if i don't do well i don't care but then like i started off by the very first match i got like five kills in a row and i was like okay i'm doing well so now i feel like i want to start to care more yes and then as soon as something bad happens it makes me angry so Every Don't time you think you're out, they pull you back in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as like multiplayer shooters coming out, like that's a big reason I'm not super interested in the next Call of Duty because I don't really want to play online multiplayer. And the only one of the only reasons I'm interested in Battlefront 2 is because it has that single player mode. And it's also Star Wars, which makes it easier to enjoy, even if I'm dying a lot and getting angry. Right, right. Yeah, I... <sighs> I hope someone I know gets Call of Duty WW2 because I will totally play multiplayer with them. But I, I, I'm getting Battlefront and Call of Duty mostly for the story. Sure. Um, and then I know some of my friends are, are going to get Battlefront on PS4, so I'll play with them when they're wanting to play. But again, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to dive in solo. That's a, it's a bad scene. I still remember when... I think this was before I had started a YouTube channel, but you had yours going, and we did like a session of Modern Modern Warfare Warfare 3, yeah, of some, we played like 10 rounds of the multiplayer of that, and just, I remember watching those videos after you posted them, and just being like, it doesn't seem like we're having fun (laughs) at all, like we're just complaining about all this other stuff, and that that was when I was like, 
yeah, man, multiplayer shooters, not my scene. Yeah. Um, now, I did for my channel, I did do um, Battlefield 3 like a couple years after it released on PC. Mm-hmm. And I just called it Random Battlefield 3 because why not? And mm-hmm. like I had a really fun intro, and it was just like me kind of just trying to have way too much energy the whole time and just be crazy and do like ridiculous, like run and gun medic stuff the whole time. And that was fun because like I had sort of like a shtick I was going for and it wasn't just me playing the game. It was me like trying to do some things that were occasionally counter to the design of the game and certain situations I was in. And so when it didn't work, it's like, okay, yeah, no shit that didn't work. Like I ran out into the <laughs> middle of the whole area, like with my defibrillators out, like, <laughs> oh, but then when it did work, it was like, yeah, it was badass. Yeah. It's totally awesome. So, yeah. Um, that's another good way to play those kinds of games is the way they aren't intended to be played. <laughs> yeah. It was well, really, it just comes down to like not taking it super seriously, which is something right. that I know I struggle with. Yeah, me too. Um, final thing on Destiny 2 I wanted to bring up. So I have not been uh, into the raid yet, but you had a raid experience. Holy talk shit. About that? Yeah. So, man, like, it's a really cool area because everything's like gilded gold and white. And it's really, really pretty. Um, and the enemies are super freaking hard. And all of the battles, they're very mechanical. So. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone has a role they need to play, and they need to play it perfectly because, like, there's this one area, and I'm not going to say much about it because I don't want to spoil anything, but, like, you you literally need the full team of six, and everybody needs to be, like, rotating in and out of these points, and you need, like, people that are floaters in case stuff happens, and if someone dies, it disrupts the whole flow, and then it sets everyone back. And that just increases the potential for other people to die because it's taking longer. And then the thing that you do once you've done that whole thing takes way too long. And that means you have to do that whole big long thing like at least another time if not two times. Mm -hmm. And we just – we couldn't keep it going for that long. It was really, really hard. And we we were playing it – we were in the second area of it. And I think there's like four or five areas, maybe more. Um, of the raid and I don't know like it was the process of figuring out what to do was fun because it was like a puzzle Mm -hmm. but then once we knew what to do but still couldn't do it that was immensely frustrating and like demoralizing and so like all of us it was um, me and a couple buddies of mine that like we knew each other we played games for a while and a few other kind of randoms from a community that they're a part of, uh, a gaming community they're a part of, not me. But And they didn't really know each other all that well. They'd never played games before. And sure. so we were having fun getting to know each other, too, which which helped. In that. Yeah. But by the end of it, we were all definitely like, yeah, we should stop because this, <laughs> is, this is a bad scene. So, um, but, And, I mean, having not played it, I, I can't say for certain, but it, that doesn't sound that different than... Like the raid experience in Destiny One. Did so you I play? Never did, I never played raids in one. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, I mean, I didn't dive in into the raids in the first game that much. Again, because I primarily played the game by myself. Very occasionally, I played with you until you you got bored with the game much uh, sooner than I did. Yeah. But um, I you know I got I joined in a, a community with a group of guys that I didn't know, and so yeah, like 
I, I played the raids way after they had come out, so everybody already knew what to do in them. Well, that's not totally true. Separate story on that, but I think it was the first raid. It was Vault of Glass. So that raid had been out for months. I think like another couple DLCs had come out. And so all these guys had done that raid dozens of times at this point. And so then they just kind of walked me through it and like told me what I needed to do in each area, which... Like, it certainly wasn't the quote-unquote raid experience, but it still was fun because the content was so different than the other Destiny content. It was so much better and more in-depth and tactical. And and it was just and cool to, like... that. Yes. And it, it was cool to, like, be the new guy and, like, have the experienced guys walk me through. Like, that was just fun. And so, like, I got to accomplish that. And the gear I got from it was useless because at that point, like, I had already had stuff that was way better. But then when Dark Below came out, I played that raid the first week, or I mean, it wasn't like right when it came out, I think, but it was a couple weeks later, and I played with a group of guys who hadn't done it at all from that same community, and uh, we had played together a little bit here and there, but we weren't like a close-knit fire team or whatever, and so for that, it was going through the first time and figuring the stuff out, and there were several pieces that were really fun in that raid. There's one like platforming section where there are a bunch of like big ships that kind of crisscross in different areas and I they disappear at different times. That. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that was fun for us to go through. Cause it wasn't like super mechanical. It was more memorization and timing. And so after a couple times through, you can kind of figure that out, but a later boss, like there was a really complicated methodology of what you needed to do. You needed to like kill a certain guy, stand on a certain thing, avoid this, and then you can do boss damage. But then this other thing happens. You have to be doing this while you're damaging the boss. There were a lot of different moving pieces that we just had a hard time figuring out because all of us were fresh and new. And at that point, like we'd been playing the raid for like six hours. And so we were just kind of like, I think maybe we're done. And I never got back with that group of guys to try that again. So I didn't have a ton of Destiny 1 raid experience, but um, I at least got that like first time through, no one has any idea what's going on thought process. And that at least is fun. And and I definitely see what you're saying. Like once you figure it out, it doesn't make it easy. And that's where the frustration comes in. Cause like, you know what you're supposed to do. You just aren't able to do it. And that's frustrating. But for me, like the figuring it out is a really fun piece for me. So at some point I want to find a group of guys or girls to go through and do the raid with. Cause I think that that, that regardless of whether or not I finish it, at least that part will be fun. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is, it is fun, and, like, especially if, like, everyone in the group is kind of good-natured, and, and it to have fun, I think that really helps, too. I mean, if it's a group of people who are, like, dead set on, we're gonna beat this raid tonight, yeah, like, that's yeah. not gonna be a fun group to be a part of, um, and I heard, um, I was listening to the Bombcast, and I heard that every week, the order of the raid is alternated or is switched. Okay. So if we were to go back to it, the odds of us getting that room the second time is very unlikely. So I, I would be interested in at least going back and checking to see, like, maybe we get another room and then, like, that you can try, try and, yeah, try and figure out the puzzle there. But then right. in the back of my mind, I'm like, we still got this other room we got to beat, and that's <laughs> a real bitch. So I don't know. Yeah. I, this, I don't know. And, and then, like, so if I'm... If I'm not interested in the raids, what the hell am I playing the game for? Right. It is, it's like, it's that, that loot. Like for me, I want to get more of the exotics. That's kind of where I am right now. And so I want to do the rest of the world quests. I want to get some more exotic engrams to hopefully unlock some stuff. But I mean, 
I think the direction you're going is like you're already feeling like your desire to play the game is going away and it's only been out for a couple of weeks. And I I definitely don't disagree with you. I mean, the monotony of what you're doing is definitely still there because like we've been saying this whole time, the different types of things you can do, there are a lot, but the number of things in each type of thing is not many. Like, you know, there are strikes and public events, world quests, adventures, patrols. Like, there are all these different things, but there are, like, three of each of those. Like, there aren't right. very many strikes. There aren't very many public events. So, when you are doing those, you're still getting the same ones over and over and over again. I know we were playing the other day, Kyle, uh, with another buddy of mine. And we were just doing some public events to accomplish a step in a particular world quest that we were trying to do. Which and turns like, out we got it didn't same... work for me, by the way. Well, yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah, really shitty. Um, but, like, we, we had to do a couple of public events, and we got the same one over and over again. And it's just yeah. like – and we had already played, like, not even that day, but the, in the weeks preceding, we had already played that public event dozens of times. And it's just like right. – it becomes not fun at, like to do the same thing over and over again. And I know that's something that is a big part of MMOs. It's just – I don't know. It's a little disappointing to see Bungie learn so many lessons from the first game and fix so many things, but the num like the amount of content is something they didn't fix. And to me, like that is literally the biggest problem from Destiny One. It wasn't the story, it wasn't the you know, that there were too many currencies, it was there wasn't enough stuff. And the amount of stuff is bigger, but like it's still feels monotonous yeah it's and that, still that just is a bummer yeah um like they didn't because the whole game hinges upon grinding these things over and over and so mm-hmm. you think that's where they would have spent some of their time and energy into uh, making the variety uh, uh ma- making it a bigger variety but it doesn't seem like they went all the way with it and like, and they only have X amount of time to make the game before it releases. They have yeah, a million things it. that they're working on. But it's like, like you look at the strikes, and there are four or five strikes. How could they think that that is enough? It just seems odd. And so, like the other problem with the strikes, because that was my favorite part of the first Destiny was doing strikes. There aren't that many, and at this point where I am in my progression, there is literally no reason to do the strikes because they're so far below my power level that like very rarely am I ever getting legendary gear. It's almost always rare gear, which is only useful to dismantle, get armor, like whatever armory points so I can level up that reputation. And if that's my goal, there are way faster ways of doing that. So like at this point, I'm only playing strikes because they're fun and that, like, that's not, I don't know, I don't want to say that's not the point of the game, because the point of the game should be to have fun, but, like, if the the loop that you're putting me into in the game is getting new and better gear and raising my power level, strikes are not helping me accomplish that. And in the first game, they solved this by having different levels of strikes. Like, there was the level 14 version, the level 16 version, the level 20 version, right. and in this, there isn't that. It's just the one stock power level that's, like, 160 or whatever it is, and so, like... It's, there's no reason for me to play strikes, and that bums me out. Because, like you, like I haven't even seen all of them yet. Because there's been no reason for me to play them. Um, yeah. And it feels like that's something that... Like, if you're only going to have four strikes, fine. That sucks, but fine. But find another way to make them more interesting. Make the enemy spawns a little bit more different every time. Make, you know, the final boss different. 
like have three or four different final bosses that you're leading to or different variations of the same final boss. Something that, as a non-game developer, I think wouldn't be as hard as making a totally brand new strike. Right. At least finding ways to make it different every time. Like that's something like uh, when you're talking about the raid, that sounds cool. Like the fact that the order changes yeah. for people that are going to be grinding this every single week, that sounds amazing. That sounds like a great change to keep that content fresh for as long as possible. I wish they would have done that with the other content. Yeah, me too. Um I just mm, I really I really wish um the numbers were still going up because as soon <laughs> as the numbers stopped going up, I began to see the um, I began to see the end of my time with Destiny. Sure. Um, because well, and the other thing is, even though the numbers are going up, I don't feel any more powerful. Like it still takes the same amount of hits to kill an enemy with yeah. a gun as the yeah. beginning of the game. Like it's no different. It's really just a number, and it matters for some things. Like it matters for the nightfall, it matters for the raid, but for the right. general content, going from power level two sixty five to two sixty eight means nothing. Right. Um, but speaking of getting bored with Destiny, potentially, uh, this is was going to be in the news segment, but I feel like it makes sense to talk about now. So, Bungie has announced that they're doing a what they're calling a faction rally. So it starts September twenty sixth. Uh, the week you're listening to this, and it goes, it lasts for a week from Tuesday to Tuesday. And the point of this is the three factions return from Destiny 1 Dead Orbit, Future War Cult, and New Monarchy. And what everybody needs to do in the game is you align yourself with one of those factions. And then everything you're doing in the game where you normally get tokens for the world, tokens for the armorer, so like doing public events, doing strikes, playing in the multiplayer. Instead of getting those uh, tokens, and to be fair, you may still get those tokens, but in addition to that regular stuff, you're also building reputation for your faction that you've chosen. And at the end of the week, the winning faction gets a quote-unquote powerful weapon. And so like Dead Orbit has a scout rifle, Future War Cult has a pulse rifle, and New Monarchy has an automatic sidearm. And so the winning faction, their weapon will be available. If you chose the winning faction, you get that weapon for a 1,000 Glimmer. If you did not choose that faction, it's 50,000 Glimmer. Little bit of a difference there. So this for me, like, but there's still not enough things to use glimmer on. So even if it's fifty thousand, it's like whatever. You're right. I yeah. Even as with as much infusion and stuff as I'm doing, I never have like less than ninety thousand glimmer. Yes, you're definitely right. Uh, But the point of bringing this up now is like so. We're talking about Destiny already feeling a little bit boring with doing the same types of things over and over again. This doesn't necessarily fix that problem. You're still doing the same things, but it at least is giving you another reason reason, to do those things. So, and you know, Destiny, when they had a lot of these kinds of community events, not all of them were super successful. A lot of them were themed around holidays. So, like, they had a little Christmas thing. They had a Valentine's Day thing that was centered around the multiplayer. They had, like, the Sparrow Racing, which I thought was complete garbage. So like yeah. a lot of the stuff they did in the first game to me wasn't excuse me wasn't super successful but at least like they are finding new ways to make you want to play the game and do the same types of things so I think like it's a positive step and the fact that they're bringing this already when the game's only being out for a number of weeks 
hopefully is a sign that this will be a regular thing. I don't know if they're going to have an event every week. That's probably overkill. But if it's like every two weeks, every three weeks and varying the kinds of events, that sounds fun. And I'm sure the faction rallies will come back at some point in the near future and it will go through the same process again. And they'll have different weapons that you can get if your faction wins. So like, I don't know. It's an, it's another excuse to play the game, which to me is only a positive. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, a really big uh, thing that, uh, oh gosh, what am I trying to say? So in MMOs, something that keeps the community playing the game and keeps the game alive is the development studio's ability to throw fun events and fun challenges as a way to shake up the normalcy of yeah. you know running dungeons and stuff. Uh, in this case, raids and strikes and. As long as they could keep that up, like every other week there's something going on or every couple of weeks, I feel like that will help draw people back into the game, keep the player base high, um, and keep people from migrating to any of the other fall releases because they're going to lose a lot of people when Call of Duty and Star Wars Battlefront 2 come out. Like They're going to lose people, but if they can continue to showcase fun events and things, those people are going to come back for those fun events. Yeah, um, and yeah, if they're not coming back every single week or every single time there is an event, they will at least come back occasionally in that event. Right. Uh, which is, I mean, that's probably how I will operate. Like, I don't imagine myself playing Destiny a couple times a week in a couple of weeks. I'm sure I'll, like, maybe check in once a week um, from that point forward. But if there is some kind of special has event... Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. If there is some kind of special event that's encouraging me to, like, give me another reason, that only makes me want to stick around and play the game longer and more frequently. So, yeah, cool that they're already launching this kind of thing. Um, We'll see what kind of events they have in the future. So, now that we've yet again talked about Destiny 2 for, you know, 40 (laughs) minutes, what what else have you been playing? Um, So, I did go through and properly mod fallout 4 i don't know that i talked about this last podcast i don't think i had we talked about that you were you were doing mods through the steam workshop right so now i did i properly went through and did nexus mods um Mm -hmm. and added a ton of stuff oh Um, yeah what's your lord order look like how many how many mods you have installed oh god Um, are you over 100 i can no i can pull it up though oh man if you're Um, not over 100 that's that's weak sauce i know but like uh the um gosh yeah don't ask me next time you know what game i want um the annoying thing though is i have to use fallout 4 script extender because there's a mod um that's floating health bars um so above okay uh and npcs and enemies they're like floating health bars color-coded to their um level of aggression to me and that's Mm -hmm. just really helpful for that game gets really dark sometimes and it's easy to mm-hmm. like lose enemies in like how dark it looks especially with all the extra stuff that i have going on um so i i the health bars help me keep track of where they are and also kind of what state they're in which is super helpful um all right where's the load order here um oh the load order is probably like in the actual game isn't it um, um. I mean, you'd be able to look at it in like Nexus Mod Manager, or did you did you download any like um, load order managers? I did not. So that yeah, that would tell you too. Something like boss or loot, I think, is the other one. I probably have like it looks without counting them. It looks like I have 
35 to 40 mods installed right now. That number needs to go up, bruh. I know. Uh, I've been watching MXR's videos. and Well, a, a couple of the mods that I found from his old videos, because I've watched all of them and yeah. typed down the ones that I wanted, uh, which is a very long list. Uh, yeah. Some of them I could not find anymore. Like, they are okay. no longer on there. And the other and other ones, through the Nexus Mod Manager, the downloads weren't working anymore. So whatever, mm. ho- whatever site they're hosted through is no longer functioning. Um, so that kind of limited, I'd say about half the ones I wanted actually worked, which was a bummer. But, um, yeah, I have quite a few mods and it's, it's a good time. I have, um, the most important mod is, uh, hot mama Murphy. She, uh, <laughs> she's looking good now, man. She's young. She's ready to mingle. Um, oh, yeah, hot boy. mama Murphy. I thought that was a pretty funny one. And yeah, it kind of, it changes her voice a little bit too. She's less like and like uh-huh. more youthful sounding, which I it's just a really <laughs> funny thing to put in there. Um, yeah. So, cause she's like, Hey, get me some jet. No, you know, whatever. I'm like, yeah, I'll get you some jet. All right. Cause before I, I was like, Ew, homeless right lady, here. get away from me. Like, right. <laughs> so it totally changes my relationship with the game. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I threw a bunch of different mods and stuff on there and I've been, I've been enjoying them. And I also, so, the Creator Club, they um, uh, they've added a couple new things, and they've also had like rolling deals. Like every yeah. week, there's like one mod is free. Uh, so mm-hmm. I got um, I got oh god the prey suit for free. Um, I got the horse armor for free, which they did make Same. that free because mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so that's that's good that they went ahead and made <laughs> that one free for a while. Well, who knows if and it'll stay free. Yeah, um, I th- oh, there was another one that was free, but the the modular backpack, the arguably the best one on there right now, was on sale. So I went ahead and I picked up some. I picked up eight dollars worth of credits and I got the modular backpack because I wanted to check okay. it out. Um, and that looked like a really cool mod, and I wanted to like support that mod author. Um, and it is really really cool. Like the. Uh, all, all the customization options and stuff in the game, the, uh, I I feel like that was money reasonably well spent. It was like it was like two dollars sure. when I bought yeah. it. So, um, and there's some other stuff on sale. I just I got something else. There's there's another thing for free right now. Oh, it's the chrome armor, the chrome um, power armor uh, paint. Oh, um, okay, just the paint. Yeah, which looks pretty cool. Like it's like really really shiny silver. Um, it's still like a little dingy looking because it's still Fallout yeah, 4, but right. it is like that bright chrome. And I haven't been able to pop in um, because my script extender hasn't been updated yet to the new runtime. Um, I haven't been able to pop in and see if it has an effect because um, it says something in okay. the flavor text of the mod about something. You'll be able to do this more or be able to run farther or something. So odds are that chrome, it does give you a buff if you have it on all your pieces so i want to ch- mm-hmm. i want to check that out um I, de- I one of the mods i have is 50 ways to die at dr nix that mod is fucking amazing it adds like a new store like this uh, like this uh, uh this new building where there are 50 different ways that it, you will die like interacting with stuff and sure, it's yes. all like really on the nose like yeah. really really funny humor with like 
the way the items are named. Like there's a cigarette machine that's like totally, and then in smear quotes, normal cigarette machine, or like this cigarette machine will totally not kill you. And like that's mm-hmm. how things are named in the shop. Um, and you go through, and there's like some light puzzle solving and stuff. And then you get all these like crazy quests where. At the end of it, you become like a superhero, and you get the superhero outfit that's really overpowered but looks hilarious. Um, yeah. And you like you go on like this little heist raid thing with a really funny host of characters. Um, and it was it was written well. It was really entertaining. You get access to a really cool um, uh, layer at the end of it that's stocked with a bunch of stuff and like a special shop that has rare weapons rare weapon sales and stuff. Um, so that one I would really highly recommend because uh, it had a lot of surprises along the way. Like there were parts of it I – there were characters – I don't want to say them because the joke is the name. Um, but they were – they. I, I thought it was like another mod that was happening at the same time as my yeah. Dr. Nick's quest. But then it turned out to be a part of it and it was a really fun reveal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm just having still a really good time with it. You know, I still haven't done any Sim Settlement stuff because I've been running around, like sure. messing with all these new weapons. I got like a couple more modern weapons, like an automatic shotgun and stuff like that. That are did you start really, a new really game? Powerful. Um, I did, and I'm already like level thirty something. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, because that's what that's what I did as well when I put in my mods on PS4, and obviously there are I have way fewer mods, and they're not as cool as the ones available on PC, but. I think I'm I'm at like level fourteen or fifteen maybe, so I'm still like fairly early. I haven't been playing it that often, okay. um, just because I've been playing a lot of Destiny two and like like hearing you talk about it, like I want to go play more Fallout four right now. Yeah. But it's like once I'm in the game again, I still love it. I still loved that game so much more than a lot of other people did. But it's like I have already played it, and it isn't that different with the new stuff that I have. Sure. So it that will always and forever bum me out. But one day when I feel like my PC can handle it, I will get Fallout 4 uh, on PC and be able to do all the modding I want to do on it. Yeah, for sure. It's because on PC, that's where you get all like the really good quest mods and stuff. Oh, yeah. That add a bunch of really fun content. So um, all like you need to get all the, the followers with the giant cans. <laughs> right. That's what I really I, want. I do have because in and Dr. Nix, that gives you a new dog follower who it's controlled with a whistle. So like you can mm. summon it to you with a whistle or send it back mm-hmm. to Dr. Nix with the whistle and it doesn't count as an extra follower. And I also have a mod that allows that makes dog meat not count as a follower. So I can have a person or yeah. a robot or whatever. I'm using Codsworth right now. Uh, dog meat and this and other, other dog. dog. Yeah. yeah. So I have three running around, which when I ride an elevator, it gets a little crowded, but um, <laughs> it's still I did fun. that. And in, then I, in- uh, I was just going to say, I did that in Skyrim, too. There was a mod, and I'm yeah. sure there's one for Fallout 4 that allows you to have multiple followers. I think yes. it's just called, like, multiple follower mod. At least it yeah. was in Skyrim. And so I had, like, Lydia and two or three other followers that were that I got from mods. And then I just cranked the difficulty up to... I guess it would have been Expert, because I wouldn't want to play on Master. That sounds like not a fun time. But then, then it just... Everything becomes chaos. Yeah. Because, like... It's not you versus 10 guys. It's five guys versus 20 guys. Because I also have mods that make that populate more enemies. And that's always <laughs> a fun time. Not great for your yeah. frame rate, but a good time. No. Um, and that's so, some of the stuff in the Dr. Nick's thing. It was really killing my frame rate. 
Um, oh, that happens to me on the PS4 version. Like, my frame rate is garbage. And that, it's like, I haven't even installed that many things. There is one mod, or a couple of mods that all do similar things that um, open up a lot of the houses and buildings in the towns. Oh, okay. So instead of it being a bunch of, like, blocked doors, they actually turn those into areas. And most of them are behind load screens, so you wouldn't think it would affect the frame rate. But when I'm in those big areas, and it might just be the game never ran great on PS4 right. anyway, but it might be a combination of that and I don't know if I have any other mods that would affect it. Maybe I do have a visual mod that makes everything a little bit more green, so maybe that affects it too. But the frame rate is real bad at times, and that it kind of kills the fun. It's like when you're playing a first-person shooter and... The frame rate is like 15 makes it a little hard to play yeah um that's what turned me off of fallout 4 on ps4 like just vanilla regular fallout 4 is i was getting frame drops after like 20 hours of playing and mm-hmm. then i was fuck this i'm just getting on pc mm-hmm. um but yeah so been playing more of that and i started playing wolfenstein the old blood because i beat the new order so i, I want to replay old blood before new colossus comes out um, and I'm replaying it for the first time since it released, uh, cause I played it on PS4 a long time ago. Um, and I, th- I think I beat it on PS4, but, um, I had never, I had it on PC for a while and I just had never gotten around to playing it. So playing that again, um, that's it. It's a shooter that feels good to shoot in. Um, and that's kind of all I've been playing. It's kind of Fallout 4, Destiny 2 and Wolfenstein. Um, yeah, the only other thing that I've still been plugging away was Final Fantasy twelve. I right. still like I play for like an hour a week, so it's you know, I'll end up beating the game by like next October, but whenever I am bored or like am up behind on a podcast, it's still just a perfect game to throw on, put it on times two speed, lower yeah. the volume, and listen to the bombcast for an hour and a half. So Right, yeah. right. And uh Kara's still playing Kingdom Hearts. I think she's about to go into Hollow Bastion. Nice. Um yeah, and oh, it's her first time game. through the game, so that's that's. I should replay fun. that. I have the I have the HD. I played through the HD remix when it came out on PS3, but I have Kingdom the Kingdom Hearts 2 HD remix that I never even. I don't even know if I've ever unwrapped it, so I should play that <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to beating the first one, and and then um, I think I'm I'm about to go into Monstro, so I'm a little bit behind her, but I'm, I'm excited oh, to beat the first so one good. and then go back into two because it's been a long yeah. time since i played two Same. um yeah and uh i've just been watching well because i i finished season 12 of supernatural so now i've just been kind of watching some different animes that i'm behind on i found mm-hmm. out there are three animes it's bleach fairy tale and one piece that i have like 400 episodes to catch up on Dear and Lord. they're still going um so that's a nightmare uh, <laughs> and they're they're also so one piece is more so this way than the other ones but they're that like saturday morning cartoon where barely anything happens yeah and that's really frustrating and yeah it's not not the best and the other like if they had english dub i would um i would put it on on my second monitor while i played games sure but crunchyroll doesn't have english dub so okay. I have to like so you be have to actively watch watching it, yeah. yeah, with the subtitles, and that. So it's like, it's, oh man, <laughs> it's a slog. Um, but yeah, so just doing more of that. 
that's a big reason why I never got into Dragon Ball Z as a kid. Like I remember my friends in like junior high and then in high school always talked about DBZ all the time and how much they loved the show growing up. And I was just like, it's a waste of time. Like I get it. It's fun and over the top and crazy, but like fucking nothing happens on that show. I I would rather watch so many other things. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I just been I've been reading a lot because at work that's what I do on my lunch break. So I finished Red Country by Joe Abercrombie, and I just started In Cold Blood um, by him as well. And then I have another and is this one. A, is by this him. a series? Yeah. So he did the it's the first law, last argument of kings until they are hanged. It's a trilogy, the first law trilogy by him. And then he wrote three other standalone books in the same universe that have tie-ins with characters from the main story. Okay. Um, and Red Country was really good because it had my favorite character from the main story in it. And then I'm reading In Cold Blood, and it has another like really like a tertiary character from the main story, okay. um, who has ties to the guy that I really like. Okay. <laughs> um, so like some of his thought processes are in reference to him and like what he did to him and stuff. Um, what's so that, what's the cool. elevator pitch for this series? What, what, what is this about? Like, um, a, like, give me like a thirty second. Like, what is this about? I'm assuming it's a fantasy series. It is. It, it's like, yeah, it's fantasy. Um, there is some magic, but like, magic in the world is waning. So there are only a few people who are still around that know how to use it. Um, and there are like great works from ancient civilizations in the past, and yada yada. And I don't know if because the other series I read by Mark Lawrence, it was unabashedly post 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 apocalypse like (laughs) medieval after the apocalypse and there's like some magic stuff that's happening but there's like a sci-fi reason for it um Hmm. that is given to the reader in like from the perspective of someone who doesn't understand any of it Mm because because they're from a medieval time period so yeah, it's just yeah. Um so I don't know if that's what they're going for if Joe Abercrombie is kind of going for the same thing cuz in the main series there's a city where it's like these great steel structures and these giant stone buildings like stories and stories high. There's a great big steel bridge, like these great works of civilizations past. And so I don't know if he's going for like a post post apocalypse kind of apocalypse kind of thing or not. Mm-hmm. Um he he might not be. He might be just doing his own thing. Um, but yeah, so it's gosh, there isn't a quick thirty second pitch <laughs> for it because there's just a lot going on. Like, there's, like you know, what the, what's the overarching story? What is the main character like trying to accomplish? So there are several main characters, but there's there's a more mysterious central figure who the main characters flock to or he gets them to follow him and he his objective is i need this powerful thing because this other powerful being we don't know a lot about is trying to take over and this is how i think i can fight him and there's a lot of moral mm-hmm. ambiguity in the mm-hmm. way that this central figure goes about it. And so the characters whose perspectives you're reading from um, all have, you know, their own thoughts and feelings about each other. And like, that's a lot of fun. Like you'll read one chapter as a character 
and he'll be like, you know, this chick's such a bitch, and then the next chapter is as her, and she's like, this guy's fucking dick. And so there's a lot of that stuff. Um, <laughs> Those direct direct quotes from dialogue, kind of almost. <laughs> like there's there's a lot of swearing. It's pretty crass, um, like with yeah. the characters and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know, and it's it's really brutal too. Um, okay, like pretty, it can get pretty graphic sometimes, um, and not. Yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> I recommend it because it was a lot of fun to read. I just don't know that I am. I just don't. Know, I have a, I have a good thirty second elevator pitch for it. Um, but like, because like it's not really Game it's... of Thrones. Okay. I mean, because, like, and it, this isn't meant to sound, like, derogatory towards it. Like, it sounds like pretty standard fantasy fiction. So, for you, is it, like, is this really good? Or is it, like, it's it's fine, it's good, but you just like to read, and so this is the thing you're currently reading? I think it, it is really good because the way he, um, the way he disseminates information from the perspective of each character is very smart and clever and the, the pacing is really good. And while the writing is crass and pretty brutal and graphic at times, it's still good writing. Like he's using, um, a, a wide wealth of vocabulary and things. And, okay. Um, the thoughts of the characters, like the inner thoughts of the characters, they ship, they're very, um, they feel each chapter feels very distinct from each character's perspective. Like you really, you, he, the character's voices come through very clearly, um, in his writing. Like he's really good at that. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, he's good at holding things back from the reader and revealing them at the right times. Um, yeah, I think, and, and he doesn't underestimate the reader, which I think a lot of writers do. He, sure. um, he will drop hints um, along the way, but they're never like in your face, you know, this is the answer kind of stuff. He, he'll he drop hints and he leaves a lot up to the reader in terms of um, letting us draw the connections as opposed to feeding them to us. So I think he, he, does, a, he does a nice job. Um, and what's the series called? Uh, the First Law Trilogy. And then there are three other books set in the same universe there's In Cold Blood, Red Country. Um, I can't yeah, read the I can't read the other one in the, work. I can't read the, the other one. There's there's books in the front of it on the shelf, so I can't read it. <laughs> uh, the glasses unfortunately don't let me see through shit. <laughs> there, there's another one, but yeah, Joe Abercrombie. I really recommend him. Um, also, like I'd said before, Mark Lawrence. He wrote. Um, uh, the Prince of Thorns trilogy, which was really, really Yeah, that good. one I've heard of. I know that was, when I was working at Barnes & Noble, that was fairly popular. Yeah, and then he's writing the Red Sister trilogy right now, okay. um, or series, I don't know if it's a trilogy, but uh, I have the first book of that that I have not read yet, because I want to finish In Cold Blood and then whatever the next one of Joe Abercrombie's is. And then on November 14th, the third Stormlight Archives book comes out, and it's probably going to be like 2,000 pages, and I'm so excited <laughs> to just take a bath in the pages like like dollar bills, man. Just like yeah, so I'm, many pages. I love huge books like that. I miss reading. I just don't read that often anymore. I still like 
maybe once or twice a week will read a chapter of Harry Potter at work just as like a comfort thing. Yeah. But I am usually listening to a fantasy football podcast at lunch, so I'm not reading as much. And I'm like, I still have those three um, Star Wars books that like are supposed to lead up to episode seven. I yeah. still haven't read those. The Star Wars Aftermath, I think it is. Yeah, those uh, are good. Yeah, and like I'm excited to read them. I just never actually sit down and read. I just need to commit. And once I kind of get in there, I think I'll stick with it. It's like because I've read Harry Potter so many times, I don't feel like I need to read it ever. And so then I never do. Sure. So I need to yeah, I, I need to that. start a book that I haven't read and then I think I'll I'll stick with it. Because I, I do, I miss reading. I used to love reading so much. Yeah. Um It's definitely something so, that I hope I never lose my love for and i don't think i will yeah. well i guess not lose my love for but i hope i always have time for well yeah i mean when it comes to your free time like you choose how you use it and so like you guys much like kelly and i like to be more of homebodies and so you have more time to play games and watch the shows you want to watch and read the things you want to watch so right uh it's all about prioritization and even though i'm much more busy now or i should say like like objectively i don't feel as busy now as i felt in college i actually have way less free time now because a lot of that free time is taken up with responsibilities i didn't have in college because college was like school and rehearsal and then that was it that's all i had and now i have like a million other things that i need to worry about as a fucking adult and they're the worst so like every saturday it's not just i have all day to do whatever i want i have to like go to the mall and you know do other things that i can't think of because i'm lazy and my wife needs to make me a list Uh, (laughs) but yeah yeah so for me obviously i haven't been reading much but uh i have been watching some additional stuff so kelly and i last weekend we wanted to have like a fun sunday date thing and so i've talked about this before like the biggest thing we do to go watch movies in theaters is go to sunday matinee showings because they're significantly cheaper so we went and saw wind river on sunday or this past sunday and um it for people that don't know because i like i've brought this movie up to a couple people and they're like what movie so it stars jeremy renner and Elizabeth Olsen, the youngest Olsen, or the younger sister of the Olsen twins. And so you know Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye in Avengers, and you know Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch in the Avengers. Right. Uh, and so uh, they, they're in this new movie. Um, it takes place in Wyoming, centered around a Native American reservation, where basically Jeremy Renner's character discovers a dead girl and it seems like it's a murder. And so Elizabeth Olsen, who plays an FBI agent comes in to try to help figure out what's going on. And like the big theme of the movie is just that like, you know, it's this small community of primarily native American residents that they have like six guys on their police force to cover like 400 square miles. Cause it's all wilderness. And so it's like, how do these people solve this potential murder and know what's going on? Plus, it's a Native American reservation, so the state government has no say on what happens. So, like, it, 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 there, there are complicated uh, legal ramifications for what's happening. And for Jeremy Renner, like, he's not a police officer. His character, he's, like, a hunter. He works for, like, um, I don't know what the, the actual department is, but basically, like, he 
kills predators that are hunting people's sheep or cows. Like he goes and kills a mountain lion or a coyote or whatever. And so he's like a tracker. That's his whole thing. And so the FBI agent like brings him on to help track this potential murderer. And a lot of stuff unravels. And it's not like a super huge quote-unquote mystery that you might expect in this sort of movie for, for it being a murder mystery. The mystery isn't as big of a piece of it. It's more like this setting and the characters in this setting. And honestly, like, the movie blew me away. I remember seeing the trailer and feeling like it looked really cool from a directorial perspective, and I was interested in it. And I also like Jeremy Renner. I feel like a lot of people don't like him for some reason. No, plenty of people to- like him. I just don't like him. Well, whatever. But but <laughs> like, I talked to Kelly about this, and she like she didn't care one way or the other until, before seeing this. But she described it. She was, she was like, there's just something about him that makes me not want to like him. Like when he's playing a hero character, there's just something about him that doesn't like I don't want to like him. It's it's he looks she feels like a the dick. same way. And maybe that's what it is. And and she feels the same way about another actor who I can't think of his name right now. Shit. But it, it is it's that like unknowable aspect about a person that makes them unlikable which holds actors back from like having the success that their talent might earn them because well, of I just like some other random thing i think his eyes are dead okay like i think he has <laughs> dead eyes i don't um, know i i really like I him. i've seen him I in a lot of trust different stuff living corpses jay <laughs> all right but this was a really phenomenal movie i highly recommend it it okay. uh is I haven't seen a bunch of quote unquote dramas this year, the kind of like best picture hopeful type movies, but this to me is definitely going I would imagine this is going to make the list of nominations for best picture. It was seriously seriously good. So if you enjoy the kind of like drama murder mysteries or really you're just looking for something that's more atmospheric, it has a really really good music to it as well. Highly recommended. Um also, since it's new, we had some friends over a couple of nights ago, and they had just seen It. Are you interested in seeing It? Um, I've, I never saw the original one. I don't, I don't really have... I'm not going to go to the theater to see it, you know? Okay. I'm, like, I might... If it goes onto a streaming service at some point, maybe I would watch it. Just as like another scary movie that I would watch if I was uh-huh. in the mood for that, I don't have any, you know. I I don't have any draw towards it. I think there are yeah, some I funny mean, memes it, that have spawned from yeah, it. Absolutely, because <laughs> I I mean I hate horror movies. I've talked about this before, and Kelly loves horror movies, which is bullshit because she doesn't watch them. She just puts a pillow in front of her face, so she's not even watching a horror movie. But she really wants to go see it. And the only reason, like, I'm semi-interested, I have seen the original. I saw it when I was a little kid, and it was so terrifying. But I am interested because I've heard, like, really good things about it. Like, it's actually a good movie, and it isn't even, like, it doesn't fall into the similar American horror movie trap of just being a bunch of jump scares, that it's more like a thriller almost, which makes me more interested because I just hate horror movies. I hate being scared. So I don't know. And I've also heard that if you're going to see it, it needs to be in the theater because the big picture, the surround sound really helps sell the experience. So I don't know, man. Kelly's obviously really pushing me to try to go see this in the next couple of weeks. So maybe next episode I will have seen it. 
and <laughs> that scares me. Um, also, update on our watching of The Leftovers. So we finished the first season, and it was super good. I still love that show. It's a tragedy that it never got the critical attention that I think it deserved. Um because it's so like, and I described it kind of the setting before, but for anybody that, that missed it or doesn't remember, basically like the quote unquote rapture happens happens and a hundred million, some people just disappear and nobody knows why, where they went. And the show takes place three years later. And so the whole thing is about characters just like living with that knowledge that this thing, this thing happened that is completely unexplainable and they will never potentially understand why it happened. And just like, you have to go back to your regular life. And also our main character is dealing with some like psychological issues where he's hearing voices and seeing people that don't exist, that kind of thing. Um, but it's really just like a character study of this family and some other characters just like living their lives in this like almost post-apocalyptic scenario basically. And so we started season two and it's like a completely new show. It's really fucking weird. They changed the setting of the show because it took place in like a small town in New York city. And so the second season takes place in a town in Texas. I think it is. And the whole thing of it is this town when this quote unquote rapture happened, no one from their town was taken. And so for them, it's like, we're a perfect town, nobody like left, and that's a good thing for our town. So that town has become a national park. And so like tourists come to visit the town and like drink the water because they think it's holy and like pray at the church because they think it's special. Weird. So these characters to like get away from their lives and something really dramatic happens at the end of season one as well that they like want to escape from. So they move to this new town and they introduce a new family. Like the main characters are still there too, but they introduce a new family that are the neighbors. And so we learn more about them. We're only, I think two, maybe three episodes in. So like, it's still like unraveling what's happening, but the show now feels like it's more about this town and like figuring out the mystery of this town. And it's just really weird. Like it feels like a completely different show. Huh. And it reminds me of another Damon Lindelof joint lost where like there was this phenomenal first season where they set up this really cool scenario and there's all this mystery. And then in season two, they're like, ah, instead of addressing all that, let's introduce a bunch of different mysteries. Right. And it's like really jarring and feels like not the direction I wanted the show to go in. And that's kind of how I'm feeling about leftovers right now. I have no idea where it goes from here but there are also several significant characters from season one who at least at this point aren't in season two because they're not in this new town so it's like how is that gonna work out i don't know i'm just confused we watched the first two episodes and we're like other than the fact that like the three main characters are still the three main characters this literally feels like a completely different show and it was quite weird not sure of the logic behind that but hmm. makes me a little scared because this show only went three seasons and the third season was short and the fact that like it didn't get a, a ton of critical reception like it's not the kind of drama that a bunch of people were always talking about makes me a little scared that maybe it isn't good from this point forward because i'm not in love with it right now in the season right. part first part of season two but we have paid through HBO now through the middle of October, and we're cutting ourselves off at that point. We don't want to pay $15 a month anymore. So we have, at this point, like two and a half weeks to watch through the rest of The Leftovers. So 
hopefully like at least by the next time next podcast hopefully we've at least like finished season two and i can have a little bit more thoughts there um we've also been watching food network star and so you think you can dance uh which are just our like friday night we're just hanging out shows and i just like and i've talked about this before but these like quote-unquote reality shows that are competition shows I look at these as being so different than something like The Voice or uh, American Idol or like America's Got Talent, which where those shows are like about the drama and about weird shit. And they just feel, I don't know, those shows to me, no interest. Those are terrible shows. Something like So You Think You Can Dance, something like Food Network Star, which is about chefs, obviously. It's about the talent of the people. Like, it's these phenomenal dancers that are going to dance. And on Food Network Star, it's about these phenomenal cooks who are going to cook. And the best cook is going to win. The best dancer is going to win. It's not who can, like, bullshit the biggest or, like, what (laughs) a random mean comment they say is or what the off-screen drama is between the two hosts. It's, like, about the talent of the people. And those are the kinds of shows I like. Also, being a very competitive person, it's fun to watch competition shows. So... So you think you can answer the finale airs this week. I'm really excited to see what happens. I'm also a little bit nervous because I think the guy that's going to win, I don't think is that good. And I think he's only gotten this far because 14-year-old girls and 40-year-old women fucking love him. And that is annoying because he's like, he's a salsa dancer. He's got the whole like hipster, hot guy look. And he isn't even that good at dancing. And it fucking makes me mad. I don't want to go on a rant about saying so think you can dance, but yeah. Yeah, please don't. so what about you is there been anything else going on before we jump into news um i just like so uh fall play at the high school is in full swing and so i we do not have a set designer anymore so i am designing the set (laughs) so i bought myself a sketch notebook and i was sketching out some set designs so i have a i have a few of those i have a top-down view I have a front-facing view, and I have an isometric view. Nice. To play with some perspective there. <laughs> so I can show my co-director, and she's like, I wish I could draw. And I'm looking at my drawings like, me too. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. As long as like you get what you need out of it, it doesn't matter if it's pretty. Yeah, and like I just, this is not my skill set, you know, designing right. the whole set and everything, so hopefully it comes together okay but we'll see if not if if nothing else it's a good experience yeah yeah totally sure sure uh okay so diving into some additional news of the past two weeks so tgs happened um during the break and there's not like a ton of stuff to talk about from that there there rarely is but uh sony had a little presser and they did make a couple of announcements so square enix has a new game called left alive that is being made with uh, people that have worked on the Metal Gear Solid series, specifically the guy who did all the character and mech designs. They have people from the Armored Core games, which were like mech combat games, Xenoblade Chronicles, which is a JRPG, and then the Gundam games, which is obviously like an action game series with mechs. And so you can check out the trailer online. Again, the game's called Left Alive. It is a described as a survival action shooter, which fucking means nothing. Like, right. that's just putting words together and creating a genre but they showed a a tiny bit of what appears to be gameplay and it's like a third person shooter and i'm sure you'll also be playing as mechs at times um 
it didn't do a ton for me. They obviously didn't show that much, but like the heavy MGS influence is definitely there. Yeah. And as we've said before, that's not really a series I'm particularly interested in. Did you have any any like feelings about this one way or the other, Kyle? I think it looks exactly like Metal Gear Solid Five, which was my least yeah. favorite Metal Gear Solid game. Um, I okay. think it was a fine. Like, mechanically, it was fun to play, but everything else about that game sucked, so it still kind of has a sour taste in my mouth left after that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, like, looking at this, where I don't have... I think it's a front mission game, because um, front mission is another mech series. I think this is okay. based on the front mission universe, or it's rumored to be. Um, I think th- maybe that's just, like, a community theory. Um, hmm. I read that. I don't remember where I read that, but... Um, so... I don't. I've never played a front mission game. Um, I've never even played an armored core game. So I have no idea. I'm not a really yeah. big mech kind of guy either. Same. Like that was like in Metal Gear Solid Four, where when you're in Metal Gear uh, and like you're fighting the other Metal Gear, like conceptually it's cool, but it's not fun. Um, <laughs> like I don't. Those ga- those kinds of games aren't all that fun to me and you know some people are are into it but that's not for me and it just looks like another what probably average third person shooter with light stealth elements so yeah so i mean we'll see once they begin showing more gameplay but uh again left alive you can check that out on YouTube or wherever you want to watch the video, there was an announcement trailer, which is more like a style trailer. Yeah. And then there was another trailer that showed a little bit more gameplay. And that uh, is said to be releasing in 2018 on PS4. Additionally, you can buy Final Fantasy IX on PS4 right now if you want it. And I might actually do that this weekend. I don't know how much it is. That'll kind of impact my decision making because I do have it on PS3. But they have brought the PC port of Final Fantasy IX to PS4. So it has, you know, a slight graphical upgrade, not a lot of stuff. Um, it has, like, little quality of life improvements uh, and also, like, trophy support. So more of a public service announcement. But Final Fantasy IX is one of the more underrated Final Fantasy games, in my opinion. Um and a big improvement over Final Fantasy VIII. So uh, if you hey. haven't played it, easy to play on, on PS4. You have to fight uh, a T-Rex in Final Fantasy VIII, man. Yeah, Final Fantasy VIII gets a lot of undue hate. There are very few Final Fantasy games that are actively bad. Sure. Final Fantasy XV is one of them. <coughs> uh, but yeah. Um, Final Fantasy IX, it, it is really good. I consider Final Fantasy IX and Final Fantasy XII to be like the two most underrated games in that series. So sure. definitely recommend checking that out if you like the old school JRPG kind of stuff. Kyle, you want to take the next couple of these? You you kind of found these stories. Um, sure. So Doom, the 2016 hit shooter, is coming out on Nintendo Switch, which is really weird. Um, that is mm-hmm. not a game that... Like, hmm, Nintendo and Doom. Not exactly yeah. synonymous. But, you know, Your whole, like, co- family-friendly shtick. Yeah, exactly. But, of course, you know, Doom runs on the Switch because Doom can run on everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the, the big joke is you could get... There are people who have the original Doom game running on, like, a TI-86 graphic <laughs> calculator. Um, so, of course, the new Doom could run on the Switch. But what they did... Um, 
in order to get it to fit because it's a pretty big file. So people were worried they were going to like charge more for a bigger cartridge and stuff like that. Um, the campaign is on the 16 gig cart and the multiplayer is a separate nine gigabyte download. Um, also some of the textures and things have been reduced. A lot of like the lighting effects and the high resolution stuff have been downscaled to save on space and for performance. And it is locked 30 frames a second, which is a bummer. So that's the, that's the big piece for me is it being at 30 FPS. Cause I mean, I'm not like a frame rate necessarily between 30 and 60 and unlocked and etc i'm not part of that pc master race that needs everything to run at 120 frames but in doom with as fast as that game is it it, it will be noticeable 30 between yeah. 60 so that that is definitely a little bit of, of a bummer with the multiplayer download can you decide not to download that then like if you don't want to play the multiplayer i don't know i presumably i would hope so. i don't know for sure like i know the multiplayer you, wasn't good if you buy game. it digitally it comes as one big download though okay so okay. maybe maybe not i'm not sure i, I would hope um, that's the case like I, because i do not recommend playing the multiplayer it's i don't i did not find it to be particularly interesting or fun but this single player campaign is obviously to me like it was worth the price of admission alone when i went through and played it so yeah yeah that's for cool. sure um, so like this is you know and having Doom on the go is kind of a kind of a neat thing. Um, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, and like so you know the the more you know, understandably um, performance is going to be a little lower, visuals are going to be mm-hmm. a little lower. But having you know the potential to play these bigger AAA releases on the go, like that's a pretty cool thing, especially for people who have long like bus or train commutes to work. This is a really neat. Um, way for them to be able to get some time in with those games. Um, also, Fractured But Whole has gone gold and is officially <laughs> confirmed for October 17th, so they they released a trailer that's like, no more delays. Um, yeah, it was a nice, little, very like, uh, it is, self-referential. Yes. Yeah. As, of course, it would be. Um, so right. yeah, October 17th, confirmed. Fractured But Whole, no more delays. Um, Super pumped also, for this game. Yeah I, yeah, I know you're really excited about it. Um, so thankfully, you actually get to play it in, in October. <laughs> yeah. um, also, Rockstar on Twitter, they tweeted out an image that said, uh, like, Red Dead Redemption. And then it said Thursday the 28th at 11 a.m. So I don't know what's going on with that. They have they released an image, like a couple images of um, something teasing a Red Dead Redemption 2. So this could either be that, or it could be Red Dead Redemption officially coming to PC, finally. I don't know. Or mm. it could be maybe something along the lines of both of those announcements. But um, That would probably be pretty underwhelming if it was just like, hey, the first game's coming to PC. Like, it'd, it'd be cool if it did, but because we know Red Dead Redemption 2 is happening and people are, like, starving for news, that would be a bummer. Yeah. And they also... Um, I don't know. I don't think they had ever set a release date, but I remember the rumor was that it was going to make it out in 2017. Oh. And they came out and said they're aiming for spring 2018. So um, there's that range. Who knows if they'll stick to that? I, I would not think so because they tend to take their times with games. But maybe we'll get more info on the 28th or maybe it's just a new trailer. But, or I mean, Rockstar has been silent for a long time. All they've been doing is like adding small things to GTA Online for like the past couple years. So that's true. 
they've had a long. But they time have been supporting that with a lot, like especially when they brought GTA Five to PS4. Like they had that first person mode. They added a ton of stuff to multiplayer. Yeah, that like, stuff only still takes a small team though, and Rockstar's a big yeah, I studio. Guess. I just know like GTA Five multiplayer still makes them a ton of money. Yeah. So I imagine at least a portion of the studio is still regularly focusing on that. Right. I, I have never played Red Dead Redemption, so I should probably get around to that at some point. Yeah, and like also seeing what they've do- managed to do with GTA Online, being able to do that kind of stuff, but in Red Dead Redemption, would be pretty yeah. sweet. Um, For sure. But yeah, so something happening with that, Thursday the 28th at 11 a.m. Keep your eyes on Twitter. Um, also, so uh, Steam review bombing has been a really big problem lately right. like groups of people getting together and releasing bad reviews for games on steam because the publisher or developer does something or says something they don't agree with or they yeah. want to be little assholes and just be jerks about it um, just the internet's the fucking worst yeah man. Everyone, people are the worst yeah, people are all children for their entire lives um, steam is now implementing review histograms so it's a, a graphical breakdown of how the reviews, um, how the reviews have changed over time for a game. So if you click on a game that says like mixed reviews, you can click on that and see well was it always mixed or was there a recent update that broke it that they're gonna fix or something else. So you can now see the history. Oops, my mic. You can now see the history of those Steam reviews, um, which is an okay way to counter that it's still not like the best fix in the world but yeah to me it's i mean like it's something yeah but who's gonna do that really like who who okay the problem is like thinking about your target audience so they have this this piece in place where a theoretically intelligent consumer will see oh a lot of reviews for this game are bad recently let me go in and check why they're bad recently that kind of person, I would think, probably has already heard about whatever drama is happening with that game because they're already plugged into the gaming culture. Like, I don't think this solves the problem for a random on Steam who plays a couple games a year and is randomly checking out a new thing. And like, oh yeah, oh, but wait, it has a 50%. Weird. Like the Rotten Tomatoes audience, those people that don't understand that Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregate review site and not like, oh, this movie has a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Fuck you, Rotten Tomatoes. This movie was good. Your review sucks. The people like that are the people that are looking at these Steam reviews for recommendations. Those clearly are the not, not the types of people that are going to take that extra step of effort to learn why. I just right. don't see how this really solves the problem. Yeah, and it... it- doesn't but um (laughs) it's 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 better than nothing Yeah, it's better than nothing like it will mitigate some of the damage of those things um the bigger thing to me is like you need to find a way to attack this review bombing at its source like i understand it's the internet they don't want to like not allow people to share their opinions but if someone i don't know they have so many automated systems of finding cheaters and scammers and all this other stuff. There has to be a way to implement a system to not allow someone to write a review if they have written 
a bunch of reviews that only have two words in them or right. if someone reviews 10 games in the matter of a day and gives them all zero out of 10 like there has to be some way to cut back on this shit but this i mean it's not unique to steam like this is a problem with online public reviews in general and just the mentality of how people think about this thing like if you're gonna write a review it's gonna be because something pissed you off you're never going to re- write a review for something that is, like, good to okay. Maybe you'll write a review if something was totally outstanding. Yeah. But the vast majority of time you're going to take the time to put out your thoughts is when you want to vent or rant about something. And that takes away the entire point of public reviews. I, for one, put zero stock into what an aggregate human culture says about a thing. A specific person's opinion or a critic's opinion, someone that I can trust, totally. But, like, this is why you see, you go to Rotten Tomatoes and see that, like, critics have this movie at 40%. The public has this movie at 80%. I don't give a fuck what the public thinks about something. The public are morons. (laughs) As someone who is part of the public, I can confirm we are <laughs> So, yeah. And, like, obviously, I'm shitting on this a lot. But it is a positive step. It is something. And I'm glad they're at least taking this step. I hope they find a better solution is my point. Yeah, me too. Um, and, you know, whether that's they have a team of people who are rolling through all the most recent reviews just to quality check them maybe that's something but i I still i don't know i don't know what the fix is other than euthanize all people (laughs) yeah because not a terrible people are the problem (laughs) (laughs) totally (laughs) yep uh and the internet just brings out the worst correct in the worst people as it turns out so do swords but uh internet (laughs) just as bad Internet is the modern sword. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Internet's uh, sharper than the sword. Yeah, the, it's no longer the pen is mightier than the sword. It's the keyboard, the keyboard. is yep. mightier than the sword. Uh, so switching over to movie news, um, Colin Trevorrow is no longer directing Star Wars Episode Nine. So right. originally the plan was J.J. Abrams, Episode Seven, Ryan Johnson, Episode Eight, Colin Trevorrow, Episode Nine. And if you're not familiar with Contravaro, he directed Jurassic World, and he's doing the next Jurassic World movie, the sequel as well. Uh, he's been Jurassic ousted. Universe. Yeah, he's been. <laughs> um, I don't know. I technically fired. I suppose the movie was in like pre-production. So, um, but there's a lot of like behind-the-scenes drama. A lot of people saying things that may or may not be true. But the bigger takeaway is that he's no longer doing this. J.J. Abrams is now directing Star Wars Episode Nine, which was kind of like the obvious choice. Once yeah. Colin Trevorrow was ousted, people were like, well, who's it going to be? Like, will maybe Ryan Johnson stick around for another one? Here, like, Could they get Spielberg to come back and do one? Like, what are all these other options? And it's just kind of like the obvious choice that, yes, J.J. Abrams will do it. He's been overseeing the Star Wars universe now, so it makes sense for him to do it. Yeah. My only... I mean, I have two fears about this. I think J.J. Abrams is a very good director, and especially when it comes to building a world. But I was very disappointed in the story of Episode 7. I'm curious to see what happens with Episode 8, because that story was built by J.J. Abrams with other people from Disney and LucasArts, etc. So it's not all on J.J. Abrams, the way that the story went. I thought as a movie, 
directorially, it was good. I'm curious to see episode eight under the tutelage of Ryan Johnson because I think he's a very visionary director. His unique his movies are very unique. Uh, he directed Looper for anybody that isn't familiar with his work. Really cool sci-fi movie. Um, but I'm worried that there might be a little bit of a weird flow where like we get J.J. Abrams' take, then Ryan Johnson's will almost assuredly be a bit different than what J.J. Abrams did, and then we're getting J.J. Abrams again. So instead of it being like, three different directors giving us similar yet slightly different takes on this world. It's like one guy, then another guy, then this, then the first guy again. And I just feel like that might make episode eight feel a little bit, uh, outside of the other two because it will be the only one that was different. And like, I'm just like, these are just random fears. I'm like, there's no like real evidence to support this. It's just, that was my initial reaction. You're afraid of the JJ sandwich. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm afraid of the JJ sandwich. So, I mean, that said, the only Colin Trevorrow movie I've seen was Jurassic World. He also directed Safety Not Guaranteed, which uh, I heard was like a cool, weird, kind of a dark comedy, whatever. Uh, Mark Duplass is in it. But uh, I haven't seen that, so I can't speak to that movie. Jurassic World was fine. It was a summer blockbuster action movie. I didn't think it was particularly great. Chris Pratt kind of carried it with his charm. Yeah. Uh, So, like... It's not like I'm sad he's not directing episode nine because there was nothing to make me really love his stuff. And at least I know that J.J. Abrams has a very strong track record. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it's the story was more about the drama or supposed drama. I don't really give a shit about that because I don't know what happened. Um, but yeah, J.J. Abrams back for episode nine. We'll see. I'm incredibly excited for episode eight. The trailer that they put out looks amazing. Yes, and I like Ryan Johnson. I'm... I'm I hope that they don't try to bring back Starkiller Base again. Oh that man, would, that would make me so sad. It would that would feel even more like no a rehash of the original trilogy. Yeah, that'd be um, bad. Two other trailers that released recently. There's a trailer for the new Tomb Raider movie starring Alicia Vikander, phenomenal actress. Not super like an action movie star, so I'm curious to see her kind of carry this. The trailer itself. The story seems heavily inspired by the recent video game reboot by Crystal Dynamics, which I think is just like a smart choice. That was a really good movie, very strong character for Lara Croft. It was no longer like the tits and ass version that we got in the 90s. <laughs> right. So it's, it's more grounded. I like that aspect. The trailer itself feels super generic. It feels like a video game yeah. movie. Like a lot of the dialogue wasn't good. Nope. It reminds me of the trailers for Assassin's Creed, where it was like... Like, I want this to be good. There are talented people involved in this, but it just doesn't look good. And as I spoke about Assassin's Creed several episodes ago, that movie was fucking hot garbage. Hot, steaming <laughs> garbage. This doesn't look as bad, but I i mean, I have very low expectations. I will say as an aside, Walton Goggins, who people may know as playing Venus... Uh, on Sons of Anarchy, and I talked about him last episode because he's in Vice Principles, a show I'm watching on yeah. HBO. He plays the villain in this. Fucking love Walton Goggins. So I will go see this specifically for Walton Goggins, but I don't have super high hopes. Yeah, I just I don't also don't think that the main actress feels like... I don't know. Like, from the trailer, she just didn't feel like a good Lara. Any specific reason behind that? She doesn't seem like she can get mean enough. 
Okay. You know? And you're just basing that on, like, other stuff she's done? Well, no. Like, I'm basing it off the trailer. Like, I don't know that I've seen okay. her in anything. But, like, during the oh, action Oh, you didn't see segments, Ex Machina? No. But, like, during the you action segments and stuff where she's, like, you know, she gets to do with the ice pick and stuff like that. Yeah. It, just, it seems like she shouldn't be doing those things. Okay. You know? Because, like. You just don't, the, you don't the, buy her. I don't buy as her as Lara because, like, the, the new Lara that they made in the newer Tomb Raider games, right? She's younger, right? It's, like you said, no longer the TNA. Um, she's more, I mean, she's, she's still a, a super hot British Yeah, chick, but she's but more yeah. of a real person. Um, yes. And, she's, like, she's... They, they try to justify in the games, you know, her doing all of these horrible, murderous things and, like, you know, wiping out this entire platoon of guys... Um, and it doesn't, it seems like they're keeping that in the movie, like her actually murdering a bunch of people, but mm-hmm. I don't buy her as someone who could kill someone. You know what I mean? Okay. I could see that. Yeah. And maybe that's something that's fleshed out more in the actual movie. Um, I just like, maybe there's some character development that happens there. I just, I don't know that I would buy her doing those things. Right. Um, yeah. So it, it just, it felt I'm sure. Weird. And I mean, I could be totally wrong, but for me, this movie is like definitely a wait and see. Like, if it yeah. comes out and reviews are really positive, I'll go see it. I'll, I'm gonna watch it no matter what. But if it comes out and reviews aren't great, it'll be a red box yeah. in like six months when I'm bored one weekend. I still do will want to see it, but man, Assassin's Creed was so bad. <laughs> like, I wanted to stop watching it halfway through. Uh, finally, another trailer they released for The Punisher. So this has been like super hotly anticipated since they introduced John Bernthal as the Punisher in Daredevil season two. I was super hyped for this show. Let me go to you first, Kyle. Did you watch this trailer? Yeah. What What did you think of it? Um, it's a really good trailer. Like it's it uh it's set to one by Metallica, which was really badass. Yeah. And they do sure. the thing that me as a like who has OCD tendencies really appreciates everything in the trailer was done to the music done to the music. Like he reloads his gun and like shoots the gun to the drum hits. Right. Yeah. So Um, it's a good fucking trailer, but I also really don't like that actor and didn't think they did anything interesting with him in the other series. So I'll probably still watch it because it's a lot of shooting dudes and it'll be like fun actiony stuff and it'll have tie-ins with the other Marvel things that are going on. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I'm not like really gung ho about it. Interesting that you don't like John Bernthal. He has a very unique style to his acting that sometimes I enjoy, sometimes I don't. Like, the first time I saw him, he was in... He played a somewhat small character in The Pacific, which was a follow-up to Band of Brothers on HBO. Oh, he it did. It took place in The Pacific. Right. He was a smaller character on that. I loved him on that. Then he was obviously... Uh, I don't remember the character's name, but he was in the first season of The Walking Dead. The made-up character. And I thought he character. was brilliant in that. No, it wasn't a made-up character. Yeah, he's not in the comics. That love triangle does oh, not exist in the I comics. I thought he was. Interesting. Okay. But I really liked him in The Walking Dead. Um, oh, you did? He's I, I, Funny side note, uh, he plays a small role in Wind River, the movie I was talking okay. about. But um, he, yes, as, as Punisher, I remember I was a little behind watching Daredevil Season 2. And so I remember online everybody freaking out about how much they loved the Punisher in that season. And in the first couple episodes, I was with you where I was like, 
I'm not getting a ton from this, but as the show went on, the season went on, I got more invested in his character, and I did end up really liking him. Uh, like in all the scenes where he like almost dies and so he's in the hospital and he breaks out, like all of that stuff, I thought was really compelling. So I was excited for the show. I agree with you. I thought the trailer was really well edited. To me, it was really cheesy. I did not like the trailer. Like, yes, the Metallica stuff was cool and Fitch the shtick, but like. The editing was done well. It was executed well, but I didn't like it. Like, it felt corny and yeah. over the top, which, like... If that's the way that's, the series is, that's what will get me to watch it. Like, like because yes. All, all of these Marvel series have been so incredibly different than the other ones. And then, like, so yeah. when they came together in Defenders, that's what made it really cool. It's because they're, okay. they're all so different. Um, and so if this is, like, more of a cheesy, over-the-top action like gritty not i guess cheesy and gritty don't go together but like over the top like really hamming it up action with like all the one liners and stuff right like i will appreciate how different that is than all of the other marvel series um and like the fact that they do that in a serialized television show as opposed to just like a b budget action movie like mm-hmm. that having it in more of a long for long form uh format will be pretty cool I think I'm with you on that. Like if that's the route they were to take, that would be exciting for its uniqueness. I will say that I think that goes against what they did with the character in daredevil. Like that feels like they would be changing the tone of the character. Yeah. Which I Cause w- when like. you go that route, you, there tends to be less focus on the character. Uh, well, yeah, for sure. There the needs to be. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't have the cheesy one-liners and over the top action and still expect me to care about the characters. Like that's not something that is realistic to pull off. Yeah, that's um, fair. If if that's the route they go, I could definitely see it being enjoying or I could definitely see myself enjoying it. And I will say too like I want it to be a little bit over the top. I want it to be super violent. That is the character of the Punisher. It's just the style of this trailer didn't click with me it felt corny and it's totally worth saying this is just a trailer put together by the marketing department right it's not like the director edited this trailer together so it's not necessarily representative of the final product which we have seen you know proof positive with the dc movies and the way they edited the trailers for those movies compared to the actual movies (laughs) you cannot trust a trailer to to give you the tone of a movie or or even of a show anymore but right i was i was uh, Underwhelmed isn't the right word because it was fucking a crazy trailer, but I was like a little put off by it. But I'm still excited for the show. I will 100% be watching it when it comes out. So uh, if it goes the direction you're talking about, that could be cool. I think it'd also be cool if they stuck with the character from the show and went that direction and made it a little bit more dramatic with still the violence and the a bit over the top action nature. Either way sounds cool to me. I just hope they don't try to do both is what I'm saying. Sure. And I guess it makes sense why you would want it that way and I would want it the other way because you like him as an actor and I don't. Yeah. So if they do yeah. it my way, I don't have to watch him act as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he is a very, he's a very unique actor. He does a weird like head yeah, bobbing. I was literally about to say it's, that. It's, it's, it's like with his head and his shoulders and the way he d- I hate yeah. it. I, I really hate yeah. it. It's kind of distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's going to wrap up news for this week, and we're going to move on to Hate of the Week. Hate of the Week. 
right, so this one, a little bit quicker than what we've been talking about in the past. It's more of just like a quick rant. So, I will elucidate this problem via fantasy football. So, I apologize. I know I said I was going to talk that much about fantasy football. I'm still not talking, quote-unquote, about fantasy football. I'm just using that as an example because this was the example that I lived for this problem. So, guy on Twitter asks some famous fantasy football expert, should I start guy A or should I start guy B? Fantasy football expert responds, I would start guy A because of this reason. Person who asks the question responds, yeah, but guy B has this thing going on. And so my takeaway is like, if you already know which guy you wanted to start, why the fuck did you ask the question? And so the issue is people that ask for someone else's opinion, not because they care about the opinion, but because they just want their own opinion to be validated. And I feel like there's like a fine line here because again, with sticking with fantasy football, for me, every week, I'll always put out like a poll on Twitter and say like, hey, I have these three guys I need to start two. Who would you start? And I already have my opinion of who I would want to start, but I'm curious to see what other people will say. And like, if it validates my opinion, great. That makes me feel more confident. But if people are saying like, oh, well, no, you should start this guy. I'm going to listen and consider that. I won't just like necessarily go with their opinion, but I'm open to hearing it and their justification for it. This is a scenario where it's like, this guy already knows the guy he wants to start and he just wants the expert to say, yes, you're right. But that's not how he asks the question. The question should not be, should I start guy A or B? The question should be, I'm leaning towards guy B for this reason. What would you do? And then they can say, oh, well, guy A says this, blah, blah, blah. It's just like it it doesn't make sense to me because you already know which guy you want to start. And to take this outside of fantasy football, like you already know what your opinion is and you aren't looking to have that opinion changed. You just want it to be validated. And really this, I mean, I'm, I'm making it more specific because the larger issue is just like people wanting to feel important and right on the internet. Yeah. And when we post things on the internet, it's not to start a discussion. It's not to hear any disagreements and kind of talk through that. When we post something or an opinion on the internet, we just want people to go thumbs up, like button. Yes, you're right. You're so right. Like, yes, yes, yes. We don't want a discussion. We just want to be validated. Mm -hmm. And that's super annoying. I agree. Uh, I see this all the time in the Giant Bomb Facebook group. Like someone will post a, they'll post some, and it's usually a negative opinion mm-hmm. on something, and then inevitably, when people don't agree with them, they get really defensive and then yeah. lash out, and then like they get really frustrated, and then a mod has to come in and close down the post. Like there's one of those at least yeah. every day, um, yeah. and it's be- it feeds into that. Uh, problem you're talking about of people needing to feel validated and important Um, because like someone comes in with a hot take the problem is that they think it's a hot take and they they want other people to tell them it is and not sarcastically yeah Yeah. which is the only time hot take is ever used sarcastically (laughs) Um, but yeah and yeah I definitely I've done that in the past and I've tried to be more conscious of it and I don't think I I haven't done that in a little while I don't think um because my big mantra for myself is like I don't care what other people think 
and mm-hmm. it's not always true, but I tell myself that because I need to fight against that instinct or that innate need for approval from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that's something that I tell myself all the time. Like, if someone mouths off to me or whatever, I just go, I don't know why I would care what they think because they are not important. Their opinion does not matter. Yeah. It's their opinion. It's fine. Right? So, that's what I tell myself all the time. And it helps me go through my day without feeling the need of the public masses approval. Um, and I think, I mean, there's a difference between not respecting other people's opinions and not hinging yes. your self-worth on other people's Correct. opinions. Because, like, I'm always interested in hearing someone's opinion, especially when it's different than mine, because I want to have that discussion. I want to hear about it. But I think what you're talking about is more the, like, I feel this, and then when someone else comes in in a shitty way and is like, no, you're wrong, that's when you're like, why would I give a fuck what you have to say? Exactly, yes. It's it's, it's more about like, how they share their opinion than what their opinion yeah. is. Just because someone disagrees with you is no reason to dismiss their opinion. Correct. Like that's part of the whole problem that I'm talking about yes. is people that like if you don't agree with me, go away. And it's this like I see this on Facebook all the time and on Twitter too. It's like here's something controversial, don't at me. Which is basically saying here's something that people are going to disagree with, but I don't want to hear about it. I just right. want to share my shitty opinion. I don't want anyone to disagree with me or challenge me. I don't want to learn anything. I don't want to have to defend myself. I don't want to share anything with the world. I just want to say what I want to say, and then I'm out. Fuck off. <laughs> Straight up, fuck off. If that's how you're going to look at stuff. like, And again, like, why the fuck do I give a shit about what you have to say about anything? If that's your mentality is, here's what I think, bounce, I'm gone. Why would I care? Like if you can't if you can't defend your opinion, if you have no reasoning behind your opinion, you are literally just saying this thing is good or this thing is bad, which like barely even constitutes as an opinion. <laughs> right. Um I mean those that is that's a statement, not an opinion. The opinion <laughs> is what backs up the statement. Sure, yeah. I mean, like, it still obviously is subjective, but you're right. Like, it's not, you're not creating a discussion or a conversation about it. You're not, you're not, you're not offering anything. It is inherently selfish. Yeah. Like, you are saying, you're saying this thing is good and you expect people to respect that and, like, Oh, well, they said this thing is good. It must be good. Yeah. You're not telling me why. You're not doing like, <laughs> and then if I don't think the thing is good, you just think I'm wrong? Like, you're not interested in hearing why I don't think the thing is good? Yeah. So let's bring Come it on, full man. circle. Um, so, Steam reviews, when you look at a game, like, overwhelmingly positive, overwhelmingly negative. Mm-hmm. That's literally Steam telling you this many people said good, this many people said bad. It doesn't yeah. tell you why they said good or bad. You have to you yeah. have to go click into it and find out for yourself, right? Um, yeah. That's more, that's a symptom of the problem and not the problem, right. but. That, that is a, a system built off of symptoms of the problem. Um, yeah, and, and like in taking it back to what we were talking about with Rotten Tomatoes even a little bit, like people that are like, oh, should I go see this movie? Let me go check Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it has an 85%. That means, yes, I should go see it. Oh, it has a 40%. No, I should not go see it. And they're just going based upon the number. Right. Or you know, people that in the video game world that go on IGN and look at the review score. They're not going to read the review. They're not going to watch the video review. They just want to know what score did you give this? Is it good or is it bad? They don't want to hear about the justification, the reasoning, which takes away the whole point. Right. It takes away all of the nuance 
of a score, which is, you know, I've had a rant about this before, but it's why like a long time ago before I had my website and I was just running a separate blog, I didn't do review scores. Like if you come to my stuff for my opinion, you're going to fucking get my opinion. You don't get to come here and say, oh, you gave it a four out of 10 and then say, well, no, then that means I don't want to buy it. Or what's even worse, someone likes a video game, comes and reads my review and sees I gave it a negative score and then just says like, oh, but you're fucking wrong. You gave it a six. This game's a nine out of 10. I'm like, okay, well, did you read the review? Did you see why I gave it a six out of 10? <laughs> then because I had these mechanical issues, it was buggy. Oh, I got dropped from the server. Like, no, you didn't read it. You just saw that I gave it a six and decided to argue with me. Why do you think it's a 9 out of 10? You just think it's good? You can't justify your opinion either. Fuck off. <laughs> Shay's hate of the week. Fuck off. <laughs> just everyone. Everyone on the internet, fuck off. Yep. That's it. Except for me. I mean, I'm like flawless. <laughs> Same. Same. <laughs> Same. I mean, that's why we're running this podcast. That's right. Ours is the only, our, <laughs> our opinions are the only ones that matter. Uh, and only when, when we agree sitting, with each other <laughs> I was sitting here this morning As I was doing the prep to record And I was like alright so what's this week's hate of the week Because normally like something will happen That will trigger something and I'm like okay well I know That I want that to be this week's hate of the week yeah. And I that hadn't happened yet So I'm sitting here thinking about like stuff that's been going on I have a couple of like I have an ideas segment uh, Or a, a page Where I like keep track of little things that come up And see if I can kind of build them into a larger argument About something and I didn't really have anything that was speaking to me. And I was like, oh, well, okay. So here's here's a little example of something that, has ha- that I saw happening the other day with fantasy football that I can kind of extrapolate. But I'm not like – it's not that big of a thing. It's just like a little pet peeve. And so I, I was like going into hate of the week where like, oh, it's a bit of a softer hate of the week. It's just like, oh, this is a little annoying thing. And then here I am telling the entire <laughs> internet to fuck off three minutes later. So apparently I am pretty passionate about it because I am everything. There's a degree of escalation there. <laughs> yeah so uh that's gonna do it for this week everybody thanks for listening kyle thanks for joining me uh if you want to write in with any questions any opinions that you can justify don't tell me that this movie was a six out of ten and sign your name you can send it to info at com, or you can check out the facebook page for shay hates everything and leave us a comment there Check out my website, chaseeverything.com. I have Don't Cabala to come back, going strong. I write an update every couple of days about my experiences with Destiny. Uh, and Kyle and I were playing Sunday morning, so I'll have some more thoughts based upon what we do uh, that day. Destiny, it's a fun game. It's Yeah, it's, it's a little bit boring. It's a bit monotonous, but I'm having fun. Yeah, uh, play it or don't. <laughs> Six out of ten. Okay. Hot take. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks, guys, and uh, we will see you in the next episode on a Monday. Peace out. <laughs>